This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Fresh off the holiday weekend, great to be diving back in, Marty, with another Instigators Overtime. Thanks to our friends at Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Hope everyone is well. Although, when saying that, knowing full well at this time of year, it's especially hard for defensemen to feel pretty good about their bodies. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, it's so hard. I, I watched guys just battling. I, Sam Gerrard with a broken sternum in oh. the first round. Like, I mean, what did how, you feel in that moment when you saw that collision I, on the boards? Oh, I had a bruised sternum. I couldn't get out of bed for a few days. Like, imagine a broken sternum. And then he shows up at practice the next day in his dress, pants, and shirt, just watching practice. That's incredible. Uh, Ryan Lindgren of the uh, New York Rangers. Like he's missed three, he's missed times in games, three times in the playoffs, only to return. Like usually a guy leads to the locker room, you get a, he's doubtful or he's out for the rest of the game with Lindgren. He always comes back. Like, it's just to me, the, the, the level that these guys can, can continue to play at injured. Um, amazing. Well, we, for obvious reasons have had a fixation on the Sabres blue line based on the talent that is currently there, the future that lies ahead for so many of these guys. And you're always wondering what little intangibles are they going to bring to the table and who else is going to round out that group of six as a warrior type, if you will. Every team needs them. And that's why it's a great opportunity on this week's podcast to be able to talk to development coach Dan Girardi. There's a story about that that we'll dive into. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations, whether you visit Seneca Niagara or Buffalo Creek or Allegheny. The sports lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens. So you never miss a play the sports books at Seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Dan, uh, I can only imagine that this is a difficult time still for you to be watching the Stanley cup playoffs, having, you know, just recently removed yourself from the playing action. Uh, yes, you're in a development role with the Sabres, but, uh, what is it like emotionally when you now see a Ranger Tampa matchup this round? Well, you know, it's, it's been pretty, pretty crazy the last couple of years, obviously, uh, you know, watching all my former friends and, and buddies and, and teammates, you know, win a couple of cups without me. So that's been a little tough, but uh, you know, very happy for those guys. And obviously the Rangers have really, you know, turned it around this year and they're, they're, you know, they're playing great hockey. Um, you know, it's going to be quite the series. Uh, People have been asking me who I want to win or whatever. And I, I just kind of, I don't really know. I think it's going to be some pretty serious hockey and obviously going to be a, a goaltending battle for the ages here. So Duffer absolutely loves Ryan Lindgren of the Rangers. How do you feel when your good buddy Ryan Callahan tweets Ryan Girardi Lindgren on, uh, on Twitter the other night because he was such a warrior, left the game, came back uh, in game seven. So how do you feel when you, you know, your buddies uh, still think of you as this warrior. Uh, you know, it's pretty, it's actually pretty special. You know, I know, you know, I know what kind of pe what people think about me, but it's good when you, you hear it, you know, still, you know, three years out uh, getting comparisons, you know, right. You know, I do watch Ryan Lingren a lot when I'm not doing the Buffalo stuff and 
Um, you know, I, I actually met him really quick uh, at the Ranger game when they did uh, Hank's uh, jersey ceremony. So uh, I'm pretty sure he had no idea who I was or what I was even talking about. I said, hey, I love your game. Uh, I really respect it, you know, obviously because we play very similar. But, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to draw some comparisons there. How would you describe Lindgren? Uh, I, I think he does everything well. I think he's a perfect, uh, perfect fit for Fox. I, you know, I haven't been watching too, too closely. I know they played together for a lot during the regular season. And, yeah. you know, obviously, with, you know, they're going to play Fox a, a ton in the, in the, in the playoffs. So he might not play with them all the time, but, you know, I think he, he does, like I said, does all the little things well defensively can contrib contribute offensively, you know, is hard on the puck, hard on the body, willing to eat pucks, you know, kind of, you know, what I felt like I did for, you know, McDonough, uh, what I did for Hedman a little bit when I, in my time in, in Tampa and, you know, those, those big time top guys need a little, you know, a little safety valve back there. And I believe, you know, Lingren does, uh, have that quality. I did say, uh, that you did that for McDonough, um, on the instigators on Tuesday, I believe. So I'm glad that you bring it up, but I also said it's a little bit kind of like Matthias Samuelson is doing for Rasmus Dahlin right now, where, you know, you find a perfect match or a match that you think will work because the two are, are very different. Like Fox and Lindgren are very different. Darlene and Samuelson are very different. So what do you think of that Samuelson and what he was able to do with Darlene, especially down the stretch uh, before the season ended? Uh, you know, uh, how long do we have to talk about Sammy? Uh, this, guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy is an absolute beast out there. Um, you know, kind of the same idea, right? Like you just said the, He's like that stabilizing force for, for dolls. He dolls kind of do his thing knowing that, Hey, Sammy's there. Can he, even if he's not close to the guy, he takes two strides and he's killing that play just for his, his length and reach and strength. And, uh, you know, I really liked watching Sammy last year when I was on the bench with him and then how he's grown this year. And, you know, he's, he's taken the next step and he, he's a, he's a, serious NHL defenseman and I know a lot of people feel the same way in, in the coaches room there and and you know and we're we're very fortunate in Buffalo to have so many great guys in the back end that you know we could talk about for days but uh you know obviously excited for Sammy and, and Dolls and all the rest of the guys back there for next season. Dan so what are some of the tricks of the trade for a guy like Samuelson that is inevitably going to eat so many minutes be put in situations like we saw at the end of the prospects challenge game one, when he blocks a shot with a minute to go, which then derails the start of his regular season because of injury. And we're going to see what happened at the end of the year where he's doing everything possible. And then he comes out of the season pretty dinged up and doesn't get to play in the playoffs with Rochester. You've lived this experience. So how do you, how do you approach it? Like what little things can you tell him to not change them? but protect them. Yeah. I, you know, it, it's hard. Um, you know, I think the first thing for him is maybe add a little padding around the foot area, maybe, uh, you know, nothing crazy. You know, I, I didn't wear anything around my skates for a long time. And then, you know, Marty knows cast there in New York and, you know, he started making these things for the outside of the skates, like some shot blocker stuff. So, you know, started wearing those and, you know, it's still gonna, it's still gonna kill. It's still gonna hurt, but it does cut the pain a little bit, cuts the pressure when it hits your skate. You know, it has an extra layer of protection. So, you know, that's probably one thing I'd let him know. We, we've told him that, but, you know, you can't, you can't really change anything how the way you play because that could, that'll take away a little bit from what he does, you know? So I think just, you know, taking care of yourself uh, when you do get hurt or, 
you know, if something happens, make sure you're doing the proper rehab and, and listen to the guys in the training room and to, you know, heal quicker and get back quicker. You were more of a one knee down shot blocker, if I remember, right? Like you turn sideways, put your, you're a right hand shot defenseman. So you would put your left knee down. I believe that's the way you blocked a lot of shots. Yeah. Well, yeah, either, either or, right? No, actually, you know what? I would turn more. I'd actually turn the uh, uh, other way. So yeah. Okay. You're facing, but yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm, I would kind of go towards my backhand. So yeah, my okay. backhand and my stick would be showing out. So, so you're protecting the middle of the ice with your stick and dropping your right knee down, but yeah. well, okay. So if you had to do it again, would you say there's a preferred method of blocking shots? Is that the way I remember Mike Hurlbut in Rochester, the guy would, would put one knee and sometimes even two knee downs and just like eat the shot right in the chest. Like, is there a part of your body that you're like, okay, it doesn't feel too bad to get hit there. Uh, well, I'd like, so when I went down on the one knee, I like getting hit kind of from like, from the ground up to about just maybe just like the waistline. because you got all your pants there, right? Like that whole area where your pants are, even if you even get hit in the rear end, it doesn't hurt as much, right? There's nothing just, just meat there. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, where anywhere it hits you in the meat is good. Anywhere it connects with bone or on your skate, you know, that, that, that one's going to hurt for a little while. You had the elbow one year. It was like you had a triple bump on the right elbow, I believe. Like that, yeah. that can't feel good. No, that was in Carolina. I remember that. I got hit just above the, the elbow pad. And then I, I, I don't know. Like they're pretty much like, yeah, you're good to go. <laughs> so like I couldn't even like hold my stick. But I, you know, I didn't retire that long ago, but I feel like they're, they're a lot more safer with their guys now. <laughs> Like I, you know, I know I probably played through way more things than I like, not because of the trainers, because of me, how I was like, I probably should have took a few more days off. Who knows what would be going on right now. But, uh, you know, you know, it's, it's hard these days, right? You're looking at longevity and, you know, a lot of the guys I play with were like, Hey, next game, next game, next game. And sometimes like, Hey, these young guys, like, Hey, it's, it's okay to miss a few, you know, to heal up properly and not make anything worse. Fair to assume that both of you, though, would have experienced a bruise or worse early in the season and then found that it just keeps getting hit and hit and hit as the season goes on. How do you navigate that? Because I'm envisioning you with this arm, this elbow thing, and it just keeps, you know, for whatever yeah. stupid reason, it probably just keeps getting dinged up, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, I could. Yeah, it's you could see it like uh, I actually think it might have happened to Sammy this year. He got hit in his foot and then like maybe three games later, or we first came back, like he got hit right in the same spot again. Like, you know, it's inevitable. But, um, you know, for actually the elbow, I think I actually did get hit again there, which is a miracle. But I know I had I got shot. I got hit in the uh, right at the top of the kneecap uh, and it cracked it a little bit. But like, you know, it's, we're like, Hey, it's good. It's fine. And it, you know, it was hurting a little bit. And then, uh, you know, about like a month later, I'm like, man, this, I don't know if it's getting better or not, whatever. So we take another x-ray and like, literally it looked like a hangnail off my tip, of my kneecap. It was just a little slit. And now it was like a piece was hanging off. I'm like, uh, so I guess it could get worse. Uh, and you know, obviously just kept pounding on it, getting hit. And it's one of those things, like just how much you can handle and, and hopefully you don't get hit there again. Like you said, just got to, these years, the years are long playoffs feel even longer because you're every other day and there's no rest. 
can you teach the shot blocking? Because I remember James Patrick was our assistant coach in Buffalo. And once in a while, he'd put the full gear on and we'd come up with the orange, like a soft box, like that you play outside with. And he would like, Mike Ramsey did the same thing actually. And would like teach guys to slide on two on ones or how to position themselves to block shots. So can you teach shot blocking or is it natural? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. I think you could give, um, you know, tips and techniques of, you know, reading the play and realizing where shot lanes are on the ice and where guys are, but a, li- a little bit's natural because it's, you know, you got to not be, it's sad to say, you don't want to have too much thinking about it, right? If you're always thinking about getting eat, eating a puck, you're going to be in between and not be in the right spot. And that was for me, like, no matter how much a shot hurt, like you had to just just keep playing and just like, Hey, next shot's coming. I'm staring at Ovi on the, on the other yeah. circle. You know, I'm not going to eat this right in the, right in the rear end again, but you know, it's just all about timing and taking, like, like you said earlier about me going, taking away the inside, you know, taking away that far side, right. We always talked about with Hank and um, you know, making you sure. You were just trying to win a bottle time. of wine. You, you just want yeah. to win the wine lottery because when Lundquist had a shutout, he would buy four nice bottles of wine and then he'd have the wine lottery on the plane on the next trip. Yeah. Um, and uh, did you win? Did I you? Probably, I think I won a couple times. That, that's a oh. lot, not many in 11 years though. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and the impact that you tough, had too. Yeah. Tough, tough luck of the draw there for sure. <laughs> Is there a, a preferred distance as a defender that you hope to be in? when it comes to blocking a shot, like, like, do you know instantly you're in no man's land and like, this is, this is really bad. Uh, I found, I found that the closer I was to the guy better because, you know, if you're, if the guy's teeing up from way out towards the blue line and I'm kind of at the hash marks, like that puck could be rising <laughs> very quickly into my neck, which I got hit with one when I was with Tampa right in the back of the neck. But you know, the closer it is, it's just going to, you know, it's still coming really hard, but at least it's not going to go rising towards your head area. So that was always the hardest, but you know, that, you know, knock on wood, that rarely happens where the puck's really rising. Guys are so good. They know where they're putting that puck. And, you know, even towards the end of my career, guys pretty much read me a lot. They know I was out there blocking shots. So, you know, they would shoot it past me or a little, like maybe try a little harder to pick a, a different corner, but um, yeah, I, I found that, you know, the closer you are, it has less chance of rising up into a bad area. Well, we saw so many times this year, Marty, because we're tracking it with the, re- you know, with the real time data, you know, how many times did we look at Thompson blister one ninety eight plus yeah. and that defender, not unlike what you watched all the time in practice with Stamkos <laughs> and in games, you know, man, it's just, it's a frightening spot to be in. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, like, like you said though, you just said it, but you can't think of it that way. Right. Right. If, right. Like, yeah. Like you just said it. Like if I'm thinking like, Oh my God, this guy's going to go hundred miles, hundred miles an hour right at me. Yeah. I'm not going to be in the way. <laughs> I'm, you know, I mean, when did that start for you though? This fearlessness, like, like, was it always part of your game from the lowest level? Well, uh, it, it's no secret. Uh, when, you know, when torts got to the Rangers after Tom Rennie got let go halfway through the, um, I think maybe the 08, 09 year or something like that. But, um, you know, he really was preaching that method. And I think it actually kind of excelled me to the next level. It kind of gave me something different that some guys don't do, right? Like a lot of NHL guys, you know, all the mid-range guys kind of do the same thing. Not in a bad way, but, you know, they're really good. 
So then you got your elite guys that are scorers, top guys with the dish and pucks and vision and, you know, guys like myself that made a, made a name for myself eating pucks for a living. You know, not a lot of guys do that, you know, consistently and, and nowhere to be on the ice, but guys are willing to do it. But, you know, sometimes coming up in this league, you got to find some way to separate yourself. And that's what I, that's what I tell my 12 year olds when I coach, you gotta, you gotta find a way to separate yourself. All you guys look the same on the ice. <laughs> They're all 12 years old looking the same, like what, what can you bring to the team or the game? You know, that's different from someone else. So I, I feel like that's what I kind of realized and did. And, you know, it, it helped me have a nice long career. Well, Danny, uh, people have to know also you were undrafted. You played for the Welland Cougars in the GHL and then, you know, the Barry Colts and uh, you played with Guelph London. You're a four year, but you played as an overager, 20 year yeah. old in the OHL. You played in the East Coast League in Charlotte a few games. You were in Hartford. Uh, you earned yourself a pro contract. Like, is that a, you played over 900 games uh, in the NHL? Uh, is that as a source of pride to say, look, like there's people now that are comparing other players and I didn't get drafted and I had to really work for everything. Do you feel pretty good about that? Yeah, I, I, you know, I definitely do feel good of how my path went and, and came and went. Um, you know, it's, it's a good story to tell some of the kids out there. Obviously there's going to be some high end talent, first round, second round draft picks, just get her going right. The, the later round guys, guys like myself, you know, able to dig down deep and figure it out. And, you know, I know I could probably, I can't, I don't really know many of the names, but I could think of guys in my Guelph team and London team that were probably better than me or maybe had a better shot, but maybe they just didn't want to keep it going or they didn't want, you know, maybe they didn't get lucky enough to have a shot like I did. Like I got lucky, like maybe I don't think the Rangers like Casparitis anymore or something. They sent them down to Hartford and that gave me my chance to go up we crossed paths in the Hartford locker room and, and that was the end of it after yeah, I went that's good because we don't like Gasparitis in Buffalo anyway. Yeah. So that's well, good. you know, I don't know. It's actually, I actually saw him too at the, at I, I saw him too. And, and he goes, Hey, remember when you went at the Hartford and I came down, <laughs> I was, I was dying. Like it's so funny. Poor guy still remembers that. Eh? So, um, you know, like I said, everything's got to kind of, you know, luckily fall in the place or you get a right opportunity and you take advantage of it. And, You know, it is good to have the story. I could, you know, tell some of the kids I, I, I coach and that there's other ways to get there. You know, there's, there's ways of, you know, you can go this way, go that way. There's so many different leagues out there now that kids are going to, you can, you can find a way. One of the most uh, honest conversations we had on the podcast this year was with Dominic Hasek when the evolution of goalie gear, you know, went went a little crazy and ballooned and he had no problem telling us the places where he decided to cheat, you know, to match what Patrick wall was doing and, and all the others. Um, it's, it's thought of less as cheating when you're in the position that you're in now, Craig Ludwig took it to an extreme. We know that oh, yeah. with, with his widened <laughs> shin pads, but what other areas other than the, you know, that protectiveness, that protective layer that you were adding on the boot, Uh, late in the career what other areas were you constantly finicky with as far as adding a little bit here a little bit there to to try to give yourself a little more protection night in night out yeah i think the biggest spot like you said it's not cheating because i can't make my shin pads any bigger than they are like uh, craig ludwig those are pretty deadly shin pads though um uh the one spot that always got me and i think actually sammy might have got hit there is just above the skate and shin pad hole 
So the shin pad comes down and then your skate meets it. And there's a little bit of a gray area there where something sometimes if you're leaning forward, it's not covered. So I know in New York a couple of times I got hit there. So I put a tiny little flap there. So it kind of just sit there. So when you go down on one knee, like Marty described, like it would, it would cover the area. So that I got hit a couple of times there, cut me, looked like Kurt Schilling's sock on, on the mound. Like it was, it was pretty funny. So got a couple there. So I feel like that's like the one spot that doesn't have coverage that, you know, that you need to maybe keep in mind. I want to tell the story of Glenn Sater, good old slats coming into our locker room after Eric Carlson cut his Achilles tendon in a game with the Ottawa Senators. Slats walks in, starts yelling at everybody, more like practice, just a regular morning. We don't have a game that night. I want everybody in here to wear Kevlar socks. Like everybody's got to wear Kevlar socks. If, if you don't wear them, I'm going to fire cast the equipment manager. Like I can't trade you guys. I can't fire you, but I'll fire the trainer. If you don't wear it. Did you guys see that kid Carlson in Quebec city last night? He got his tendon cut and we're like slats. There hasn't been a team in Quebec city <laughs> in 20 years. Like, what are you talking about? But those were things that Glenn thought of like the padding that protected the top of the hand after Cali broke his hand, yeah. he made our trainer basically add protection to the gloves overnight. He walked through the night. So the next day they'd be on. Um, well, did you wear the Kevlar socks after slats came in and told everybody oh, yeah. to do it? I, I still wore the Kevlar socks from that time on. I still wore the cut proof socks the whole time from the last game of my career. So I did that. Another, I don't know if you remember, I'm not sure if you're there or not, but it was kind of the same thing about the gloves with Callahan. Um, uh, Glenn found a pair of Mark Messier's old gloves. Oh my God, yes. And the cuffs, the cuffs were, can you see my arm? The cuffs were up to here. Yeah, <laughs> he had step on. Yeah, there was no wrist flexion, nothing. Like it was just robotic out there, eh? So I just remember that too. And. You know, but again, though, like that, I actually think the Rangers are one of the first to start putting those custom skate guards on. They had the laser cutter in the back doing all that stuff. And now you see it mostly on all the guys' skates that, you know, want to. So, you know, I think Glenn was great for that, though. He, he really he cared. He didn't want to see that many of the guys get hurt like that. And that's funny. You remember that. Marty, this won't surprise you at all, but it is worth, uh, you know, emphasizing for our audience. Between 2012 and 2018, there was only one defenseman in the league that played more games, more playoff games than our guest today. That was his teammate, Ryan McDonough. Mm -hmm. uh, Ryan played 108 games over that stretch in the playoffs. Dan played 107. Carl Hagelin led the way with 121. The point is, Dan, with your you know, 900-plus regular season games, 143 playoff games, like you've already mentioned the word consistent. What else allowed you, especially in those playoff games, to be able to be there night in, night out for your teammates? Um, well, you got to, like you said, you got to have a pretty good training staff, number one, to make sure you're ready. And I actually, it, I don't know, I, I never really, I didn't took any pain pills or anything like that. Just like a nice little Tylenol or Advil. So I wasn't a big believer in that stuff. Um, so, you know, it's not... Like once you kind of get warmed up and warm up and get out there, like your, your body's already warm and feeling good. It's like an hour after the game where every the, the adrenaline wears off and everything is hurting. And I, I just think it really, you know, playoff time and pretty much, you know, regular season, it happens a lot, but the playoff time, like you gotta, you know, every little mm -hmm. tiny play matters. That's where I 
felt like I, I was trying to be as consistent as I can. Like you, like you said, in the playoffs, like every little, you know, you know, I didn't make any too many fancy plays, but you know, it was always a nice, smart decision. The best I could, you know, right up or over my, over to Mac or, you know, always try to realize like, Hey, this play matters and, and try to make the best, best play you could and a nice hard play. So, you know, I, I don't really know what I can say that really helped me along the way to keep me somewhat healthy and, you know, being night in night out, but, I think just trying to, you know, be smart, you know, with your body away from the rink and, and stuff like that. So that's all I got for you. So you were a development coach and then the Sabres make the change uh, a year and a half ago. Now um, you end up buying the bench with Maddie Ellis and Don Granado. Now the Sabres coaching staff with Jason Christie, Marty Wilford, uh, Maddie Ellis and, and Donnie, obviously, um, you move back to development. Um, how was your time buying the bench, uh, as a, as a coach, because, uh, you, you always were a bit of a talker, but a, a little bit of, a, I would say a quiet talker at the right time. How was that buying the bench for you? Uh, you know, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and I actually think, I think the guys did too, because I did, you know, let's be honest, you weren't in a really great spot when we took over, you know, it was a really tough season. Uh, so, you know, I tried to do my best to keep the boys, you know, excited every day and a little bit loose, a little bit loose, like not so like, oh my God, we're gonna lose this game. Oh my God. That, that like, you know, I, I never played that way. I like to keep it even keel and, and have, have fun. But like you just said, at the right times, you know, dial it in, turn it on, find the right time to say something. And, you know, uh, you know, even, even this season here, like, uh, I, I actually don't do any development at all with the young guys. Uh, I, I, I actually, I'm on the coaching staff, but just, I don't travel. So uh, I'm not sure if I, this is a common knowledge or not, but uh, so that's why I'm in the room. Like, that's why I come out for practice Marty when you're there. Yeah. And um, you know, pretty much when Buffalo's home, I'm there and I got my own little spot in the coach's room. And, you know, I pretty much just show up and, and, you know, Marty's like, Hey, let's go over the D clips or, you know, someone's like, Hey, can you check out this or work with this guy at practice? So I kind of just show up and, you know, figure out where they need me that day. And you're you like know. a player coach type, but you're not playing and you're not coaching. So yeah. you're doing both, but you're not doing both. You know, and, and you know what, I think it's a, you very, it's a, it's a very unique role. Cause even when I talked to Kevin Adams, like we really don't have a title for it. <laughs> like there's no really known title. So I really, it's a very unique role. And I actually really got to thank Kevin and Donnie for that because they realize like I want to be there, but I also retired for a reason and, and be able to spend time with my kids and my do stuff with it. My son's hockey and my daughter's horseback riding. And, you know, so they're, they've been absolutely amazing. Even the Pergolas too, they, they know kind of the situation and it's, it's been really actually amazing the last two years that they've let me, you know, do this. But I, I told them like, I want to be here. So I know this thing's turning around and it's very, it's exciting to watch these guys and how they act. And, and, you know, at the rink, I feel like I do bring a different feel sometimes like Marty knows me at practice. And, you know, like I said, I get the work done, but I also like to have a good time and, and make sure everyone's not like just army serious and, and like lot, like have a little bit of fun. And, you know, I, I think I do bring that because then the coaches kind of just coach and not have to worry about, you know, making a joke here or there. So it's, it's definitely a very unique role. And I like, you know, I, I really enjoy doing it. What do you see? So there's a video, it... Duffer. 
quickly. There was a video yeah. of you coming off the bench where you were trying to give a fist bump. I don't remember who the backup goaltender was, but you got like the cold shoulder and you're kind of put your hands down and shook your head going off the ice. Like I saved it because we saw it go into commercial oh. and I remember sending it to Mike Bales. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Oh my God. That like, but that's why I'm like, that's why I thought it was hilarious. So it was Linus. It yeah. was Linus on the bench. And then I, I remember I tried to give him a pound and I didn't, I kind of, you know, did the one like to myself and like shook my head, like, all right. So like I, Linus was really choked up about it. Like he was like, he thought I was like so mad that I, like, I'm like, number one, there's no one in the stand. So no one even saw it. But I'm like, I go, I go, buddy, it's fine. Like, I don't, I, I love it. Like, I think it's hilarious. Like, you know, everyone sent it to me too. And, you know, I came in the room, Miles had it teed up on the video, video room there. Like, oh man, that was, yeah, that was awesome. That's what I mean. Like, I, I love that stuff. So how would you describe Darlene? Um, unbelievable hockey player and, and professional, like on and off the ice. I think this, he, you know, when we took over last year, you know, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't himself. It didn't look like, cause I played against him for a year and, uh, you know, a lot elite hockey player. And then you just saw the growth from, you know, sometimes it gets frustrated during the play and it's quite noticeable, you know, a stick slam or, you know, something like that. But I felt like, you know, we, we talked to him as a staff and he's, I think he's taken that next step this year, a little bit more relaxed, less pressure on himself, just go out and play. And he had a, unbelievable season and he and he's matured so much off the ice too he's becoming a leader now you know in the gym and with the guys and the guys respect him because he's an, an elite hockey player and obviously and a great guy off the ice so you know he, he's kind of figuring out that role now too and, he, and I, he's you could just tell he's excited every day to come to the rink he wants he w- never wants to always learn he's like what do you got for me today what do we want what are we doing today what do we got in video what do we got in practice like he always wants to get better and better and that's a true sign of an elite hockey player that is not never satisfied of where, what he's doing or how good his game was. He always wants to get better. Does he have some Danny G traits in the fact that he drive? Well, no, he drives it. He rolls in on a scooter. That's something I think you would have done like rolling in a scooter. Um, I heard that he may have forgotten his dress shoes in a meeting one time and walked in and sneakers in a suit. Uh, to a game like this is something you would have done. Uh, is he, does he got some Danny G trait in him? No, I, I definitely think that that scooter thing was awesome. Uh, I was, <laughs> if I, if I would have signed back again in Tampa for my, another one more year, I was going to, the week you could ride a jet ski to the rink on the water where I live and you can go like, that was the next level. Uh, but you know, when I, you know, I was actually only that that I know you're talking about when he showed up with his running shoes on and everything, but I had one, one incident in Washington where I, I, I slept in, uh, got in a cab. I'm like, Hey, we've got to hurry, hurry. We got to go to, we got to go to the, um, Verizon center. Uh, or I don't know what it was then. I changed the names like 10 times, but, um, and then he, and he pulls up and I'm like, I look, I'm looking, I know where I'm supposed to be. He goes, all right, here, we're, we're here. I'm like, buddy, I said, Verizon center. He goes, he goes, Oh, you said, you didn't say convention center. So we're at like, we're, we're like five blocks away. I'm panicking. Uh, and it's, I think it was, I think it was towards the coach. And luckily we didn't have a, a, a meeting in the morning, just 1130 skate and that's it. So if there was a meeting, I was done, but you know, I, I paid my fine. And, and then, uh, that was the, that was the only time I was late in my entire career. Uh, is there a fine system in place in the Sabres room right now? Uh, I'm sure there is, you know what? The, 
The good thing is, you know, I, I'm, I'm still, I like chirping the guys, but hey, they, they got their own system. I don't know what Oki has them doing or, or Gussie or any of those guys. I don't, you know, I'm not, I, I feel like I'm closer to the guys, but when it comes to the, the personal team only stuff in the room, mm-hmm. I got no temperature of what's going on there, but you know, I'll throw my two cents in once in a while in the room, but when it comes to that group, you know, they, they got to take care of those guys. Is there a fine system in the coach's room? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a little, you know, we got a couple of things going on there. You, you know, I can't talk about it too much out here cause I'm not sure <laughs> what the rules are, but, uh, you know, we got our own little, we got a, it, it's, it's literally just a mini dressing room in there. The guy, like that coach's room is pretty, pretty unique and a lot of great guys in there. Like I've never been in a coach's room except for last year, but I, from judging, like, I don't know if they function like this. This one's amazing. Like no, there's no egos in there. No one thinks they're better than him because Donnie's the head coach, but I'm just a random assistant guy sitting in the room. Like he respects me and everyone's working together and pulling in the same direction. It's, it's, it's so much fun to show up to work in the morning. And, you know, we talk about, we talk about, you know, last night's game or, you know, what's going on in the league. And then it, it turns to minor hockey talk in about 30 minutes. All the kids have, where all our kids are playing and a couple of the guys have kids at the junior Sabres and I'm on this side. We're always talking about tournaments and ice times and then, you know, it's, it's so much fun in there. Random assistant guy. I think that's on the business <laughs> card next. I like it. <laughs> oh, definitely. That's, that's, I'll tell Kevin, that's my new title. Hey, what's, uh, are there any misconceptions out there about Don Granado? I mean, the way you just described him and what it's like in the coaching room was probably what most people would have assumed based on what we've seen in the last 18 months, especially, but is there something else we should know about him? I, I, I just think he works, he works so hard to, to give the guys a game plan and pre-sco like everyone, you know, we got, we got the video guys in the back doing it, but Donnie does a lot of his own stuff. He has like these hard drives that have, I don't know when these games are from, like he has games upon games and he watches so much video to, you know, for tendencies and how we can improve. And, you know, when he, when he talks in the room and shows his clips, I'm like, wow, like, I feel like I know a lot about hockey, but like, I'm like, wow, this guy's hockey mind is another level. And I'm actually learning a lot from him. And I think the other guys are too, of how you can see the game in a different perspective. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm, I'm learning so much in the last year and a half here about, you know, different concepts of the game that I've never seen. Like, you know, I, I didn't never play D how our D play D, how we teach them how to yeah. angle guys and surf and, do all these terms. I'm like, I literally skated straight back, kept him the outside and ate a puck. Like that was like the extent of my defense. So um, it's so, it's so cool to learn all these new things. And, you know, I'm learning stuff and who knows, you know, I'm hoping to tell some of my kids one day, like all my team, like, Hey, think the game like this and try this. Cause it might help because the game is changing a little bit in that direction of more, you know, better skating D man, you know, not so much, you know, stand there and direct traffic like there's a lot of movement and you got to be able to skate and move your feet and it's pretty unique so because you're the random assistant coach um i had the assumption that you went to maybe co and power at michigan last year but obviously like no like when so when he came to buffalo and you got to work with him a little bit at the end of the season what is your first impression of the big man on d um wow <laughs> <laughs> Like, like it's pretty crazy. This kid, you know, plays the Olympics, you know, plays in Michigan, uh, a little bit of the world juniors too, just 
like gets like a hat trick or something like no big deal right like yeah it's 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 pretty crazy how good some of these kids are like he he and again he's another one like dolls like i said like he just wanted to, he, i couldn't even get him off the ice like i start picking up pucks and like okay pick up two pick up four like i want to go home one day here like i got stuff to do at home but uh you know he he just you know i i, I was out there a bunch of times in the harbor center with him like you know really didn't like show him anything too much but like he was like hey throw me a rim or give me a pass here and he, he was just trying different movements and and I just laugh because you watch them practice and I'll do the after practice stuff and I watch up top or watch the game on TV like you see it right in the game when he's trying a different move like you know a fake shot go around the guy like he worked on that 50 times after practice like all this stuff is so natural for this kid and he sees the game he's got poise for days you can't teach that um yeah, I can go on and on. Like, like if if you're not excited about our decor, I don't know what you're thinking about hockey. Like, this decor is absolutely legit, and we're we're so excited. And it takes all kinds. So, how would you view or describe uh, someone like Henry Yoki Haru in the midst Actually, of all this? Go, I was already thinking about an answer because I knew you're going to bring up Yoki. So I'm like, who's next? Oh <laughs> man, again, again, just like another, just another unreal guy too. Like. The guy, this guy competes so hard. Uh, one thing that we do really well in, in Buffalo is our practices. You've seen them, right? They're, they're hard. They're not like bag skate hard. It's just every drill is hard reps, competitive. Uh, that's how, then that's how we play with a lot of pace. Um, you know, he, and he's a guy that drives a practice. Like he loves messing with the forwards, you know, killing plays, ruining, ruining the drill for the forwards. And, you know, he, he's definitely another guy that's taken the next step in his career with, like he said, he, he's, he's shut down D-man, can play the power play, can kill penalties. He blocks shots, you know, a lot like, a lot like he does the one knee, like G-Money a little bit there. And, um, you know, what I, you know, again, it's endless. Like these guys, their, their potential is just to the, the sky. They're all so young still. Uh, they're learning from all the guys in the room that we got in the coach's room and, obviously learning from a couple of great older guys like Oki and Gussie. Um, so, you know, the, the, I don't know where next year will hold for him, but he's, he's definitely taking the next step in his career. Well, I mean, there's others, uh, there's going to be, you know, the, uh, get Johnson who's uh, Johnson. It's yeah. not Johnson. It's Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. Uh, that will be coming. There's others. So, hey. It's a hard J. John. Hard J. <laughs> um, I usually add just plenty of S's at the end of everybody's yeah. name. And it makes right. a, or I call Owen Austin Powers on the first broadcast right. of his first NHL game. So that's, that's all right. Uh, but you've got other young kids that are coming through. So, um, you know, you talk about your son and you guys talk about minor hockey a lot. How do you feel with the fact that these young NHL hockey players are closer in age than, to your kids? And they probably associate better to your son than they do to you and how you talk to them. Oh yeah. There, there's no question. Like probably like my art, my son's a 2010. So probably there. And then I guess older probably know who I am. The younger kids I talk to, they're probably just like, they're my, Oh, my dad told me this guy played NHL. So I got to believe him. So none of those kids really know, probably never seen me play, you know, I'll, I'll come back to your question in a second, but yeah. uh, I, I was in Boston for a, a spring tournament for my son and there was a uh, team from Jersey. So they had a bunch of Ranger fans on there and I go meet the family. And then the two teenage boys are just in shock because they watched me play probably in the playoffs and whatever. 
there was one kid, he was like seven or eight. He's like zero clue who I was. So that's my point. Like the older kids, like you said, probably the teenagers, you know, watch me play, but then talking to the younger kids, they have no idea who I am. And it is funny when you think, when you talk like that, like, you know, Owen Power, I don't know, he's 19 or something like, yeah, my son's like 12. So yeah. that age gap is, is very close. And, you know, even, um, even Ellie's son, Hayden, like they're, they're right there. Like they're almost OHL draft now. It's like time is just absolutely flying. I know you got kids too, Murray. It's, it's great. It's, it's insane how everything's changing and it's, I love hockey, but it's pretty crazy. I remember my first year in New York, Derek Stepan was 20. So we're talking about 2010. Uh, My son, Jacob was six at the time and I was 33. So there was 14 years difference between step and Jacob. And there was 13 and a half years difference between step and myself. Like, I'm like, he's the perfect, like middle book between me and my son. Like that's, that's pretty crazy. So he could have played video game with either one of us and would have felt the same way. So, yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. Just being around all the kids that at least know who you are. And, you know, at least, you know, when I talk, when I talk in the room or practice, at least the kids respect it because they, they figured, Hey, I played, I must know what I'm talking about. So it's, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. And I, and I tell them like, Hey, listen, uh, you know, I coach in NHL too, right? So I kind of know what I'm talking about. So I throw, I throw a couple jabs here and there just to make sure they're still listening, you know? Uh, speaking of that, are you surprised that Marty St. Louis is now a full-time head coach of the Montreal Canadiens? Uh, nope. Uh, you know, the, I, as soon as I hired him, I knew he he's, he's one of the most passionate guys about the game I've ever played with. Uh, I know he only coached, you know, the, uh, whatever the Connecticut junior Rangers or something like that, or mid Fairfield, whatever they're called. But I, you know, I just know his passion for the game. And I, and I actually watched him coach the game when I was in Florida, his team came and played uh, the Florida Alliance there. And I watched him. It's just the passion he has and he, his hockey knowledge, you know, kind of like a guy like Donnie, obviously Donnie has so many more years in coaching than and Marty, but it, it just, it just, you see the way he thinks the game and, and again, I know they weren't doing very well, but when he came, like you just tell the level of respect that he had in the room, the energy he brought, you know, the more like the really relax, go play. And, you know, that like that's, he's a perfect fit for there. You know, he's a guy from that area, uh, you know, had a great career, small guy, but battled hard, like all these perfect traits for a job like that. And, you know, he even, I think he said something in this interview, like, he's not a substitute teacher. He's, he's here for a while. So like, you know, that mentality that he has that that's what he was thinking. He's like, I'm not just filling in. I'm in, I'm in. So as soon as he said that, I was like, well, this guy's, this guy's the best. I, you know, I love Marty. He's uh, he's awesome. And I, you know, I'm excited to see what he does with that team. Um, I've got a few this or that. So Duffer, I don't know if you, uh, if you, okay. So very easy G money as uh, you, you know, self-proclaimed uh, self <laughs> g money uh it's not self-proclaimed we used to no, call you danny g g money yeah same whatever, difference yeah. uh okay so um you played in the ohl but you know you've got a bunch of your de- young defensemen that played college so this or that if somebody came to you right now and said should i go canadian major junior or division one uh u.s college this or that what would be the one you would pick oh my god we, I just talked about us in the car of my wife on the way home from Montreal. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Wow. I gotta say 
be surprised. I got to say college. Yeah. I think a lot of us that went the major junior route almost feel like we missed out on something. The yeah. college experience yeah. and, and I wasn't all of sure that. if I was allowed to elaborate on my answer, but I, I just feel like, you know, you're, you're getting into a good routine there you're, and you're getting your school. Uh, you train all week and you play on the weekend. Like you, you're in the, you're are, like, you feel like you're just like, I almost want to say like more of a man when you come out of there, you're playing against older guys. Uh, you're coming a little bit later, depending on, you know, your status and your, you know, your skill level or, you know, whatever round you're drafted in, but you know, you always got that education to fall back on too. I know in, you know, OHL, like, you know, after my career, I could have went to, you know, like went the CAU route and yeah. went to Brock locally here and by in Niagara here. But I, I, I feel like I visited Minnesota. Uh, we played a game there with my son's Tampa team. Just the level of professionalism and, and the facilities they have there, it's, it's, it's like nothing I've seen. Yeah, it's like NHL and some even better than NHL teams. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, Minnesota um, would better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're a Canadian guy, live on the uh, across the border, um, but you played in the states. Uh, so, Tim Hortons coffee or Starbucks? Like, what's your go-to in the morning? This um, or that? Well, that's a hard one because I get different things at both places. Um, if you have double runs. Yeah, well, if I'm going just straight, a nice dark roast or something, I'm going to Timmy's. But I do, Starbucks is my cappuccino spot. I get my cappuccinos as a pregame, pregame cappuccino stop. So, again, here, though, in Canada, probably, you know, there's a Timmy's in every corner. So, I got to say Timmy Hose. Okay. Um, because your nickname is G-Money, it makes me always think of the G-Wagon. So, um, cars, and I don't remember what you drove when – probably because we never really used our cars in Manhattan, yeah. but um, sports car or the, the com comfortable SUV sedans, this or that. Uh, these are good ones. Cause I have like a lot, like probably early in my career sports car. Uh, I had a, I had a Bentley at one point, um, but I drive, I drive a nice big Ford Raptor Velociraptor it's called from Hennessy. So I'm a, I'm probably going to have to go the SUV route then. I'm like, a, it's like a family truck, but it's still fast. <laughs> oh, it's still, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's got some, got some jump under that hood. Um, Duffer, I don't know if you have anything that comes up to mind. That, uh, no, uh, but I was up Dan's way yesterday and saw that it was a buck 99 a liter. So <laughs> I'm feeling your pain in that Raptor Velocisaurus. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. The premium, the, the straight premium is uh it's not pretty. Just think of my me driving that rig seven hours of Boston and back and same to Montreal. So holy cow. Yeah. What a use my hotel life. points, I guess. Eh? Use, yeah. use the paper hotel. Use the points. Okay. Well, so I don't know the truth whether your G money is like self-proclaimed or not. It was kind of ambiguous the way you guys were answered. But <laughs> can can either of you identify someone who had the best self-proclaimed nickname during your time as a player? Oh man. I have one, but it's, uh, we didn't, I, I played with him at the world juniors. And I don't know if you remember Christopher Colanos, Arizona. He yeah. Was I, know who, I know who I know the name. Yeah. He called himself special K. Like he would literally oh. say, uh, you can call me special K. <laughs> I'm like what? Oh yeah. I'm special K. That oh, was man. his nickname. That that self-proclaimed nickname. So yes. Uh, I don't know. I got. I'm. I'm. I gotta say that I'm sure Brandon Dubinsky at some point put some kind of self-proclaimed the good old dubs or something. I don't know. I don't even know. But I. I, I don't really know anyone that's really 
like I, I don't think mine's self-proclaimed, but I just use it. No. I talk yeah. about myself quickly, but it's not. Um, yeah, I can't yeah. think of it at the top of my head, but yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to swallow if you give yourself your own nickname and it actually sticks. So that's that's tough. Quickly, this or that, um, because you blocked a ton of shots, you've talked to the equipment guys all the time about your gear, but you were in the medical room a lot. So um, if you just had to walk into the rink and you didn't have to really have any business with your medical guy or your equipment manager, this or that, the medical room or the equipment room? Probably the medical room. I, mostly because of Rammer, right? So Jim yeah, Ramsey in New York was... I put like, yeah, not only did I, you know, I went in there, but I did spend, did spend some time in there quite a bit of time. So, but you know what? I, I, I was always a guy that tried to, you know, treat everyone with respect. And so I'd go say, because, you know, at the training center in New York, you walk yeah. in, you're right by Cass and all those guys. And, you know, he makes sure you go say hi to everyone. So, you know, I'll be a nice guy. I would go say hi to the training facility guys. And then I'd go say hi to the equipment guys. So were you there when um, Torts walked in into the trainer room and he was wondering who was on the massage table and it was Delzato. And he could not believe that a 21 year old like player who played 12 minutes the night before was first on the massage table and just lost his mind. Yeah, that, that uh, Torts I love Torts like that. <laughs> he, he had one. I was, I actually might've been like my elbow injury. We talked about, I remember I went out for practice and like, Hey, you good to go. I'm like, ah, just gonna, you know, I'm going to see how it feels. He goes, well, either you're hurt or you're injured. Are you going to practice or you're going to get off? I go, uh, well, I don't know how I'm going to feel. So I guess I'll get off the ice. <laughs> so he's always like, cause you know, you're hurt, you're injured. Like it was always a funny, you know, he, he was very black and white with stuff like that. It wasn't like there was, there was zero gray area in anything he did. And that's why, that's why a lot of, you know, some people didn't like John. I, I love torts because he would just let you know what he thought. You knew where you stood and it was, uh, it was great. Yeah. Awesome. Great story to end with. Dan, uh, thank you. And we look forward to doing this again down the road. Enjoy. Uh, we'll get I, you some I, new uh, business cards. Random assistant coach, Dan Gerard. Right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> see you, Dan. Thanks. See ya. I can see why you loved him as a teammate. <laughs> he is a fun, fun guy who I just, you know, I can't stress enough. Like we sometimes forget when we're going through these decades, the prominent names or less than prominent names that kind of appear and reappear and reappear every spring. And that's what Girardi did. He was yeah. always there. I mean, it was, it was so impressive to see him rack up the number of games the way he did with some very, very good teams. So why don't we keep the focus in our three stars for this week, Marty, on maybe some defensemen that are still going in the Stanley Cup playoffs that we don't hear from or about every single day. Okay, so the first one that I am going to bring up and he's a young defenseman, but obviously with the play of Kill McCarr with the Colorado Avalanche, you may not talk as much about Bo Byram. Bo and Byram, like, wow, like he looks good right now. He's a young, uh, just starting defenseman, uh, was hurt and out of the lineup for a part of the season, but has looked so good in the playoffs. So I want people to pay attention to a Bowen Byram in Colorado and how good that D uh, that D group is obviously, but with him, it's great. Not a younger guy who is also playing a second type of secondary role with the New York Rangers is Keandre Miller. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, so 
uh, complete, right? He can be physical. He has great reach, as Dan Girardi talked about, like the reach of Matias Samuelson. Keandre Miller has the same thing. Kills plays in the corner. Um, I think he's one that we should be expecting really big things from uh, for a while. And then, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to go to Jacob Truba just because the art of throwing a big body check is almost lost. Open ice, like the hitting happens on the wall. And now it's three times in these playoffs that he's hit somebody in open ice, uh, Crosby, Domi, and said Jarvis. But um, he he has that, that change or that uh, difference-making hit ability in games that not a lot of defensemen have. And I think he's one to continue to pay attention as the Rangers keep going. It's funny how and why names stand out. And think about what you're saying right now about Truba and how he's not at all the player that was mentioned earlier in the podcast, but the name Darius Kasparitis came oh, up yeah. and nobody liked playing against Kasparitis. It's completely different, but they play the same position. And there's something to be said about having a reputation when you play that position, right? And Truba is, you're right, he, he's garnered more attention. He's had a career year, but, you know, he's not in the Makar and Fox conversation of the world. But I, I, I mean, obviously, I'm in 100% agreement with the names that you mentioned. I think with Byram, it's just we're thankful that he's playing um, after playing less than half of this year and being just, you know, surrounded in uncertainty as far as his immediate future and long term. And, and the numbers are just so wonderful to watch right now. Evan Bouchard's been really good in, in many respects for the Oilers, but more so just to see him in this moment and to project what is still to yeah. come. That's, that's what I love about, uh, about watching him. Um, Manson, of course, was a very talked about deadline acquisition. I think Josh has done everything presumably. And look, there's as Girardi would tell you that you're not going to come out of these games ever feeling like you had a perfect game. And, but Manson's, of the ability to just let all of those tough plays roll off of him and you know exactly what you're going to get from him. So I, I'm always uh, in admiration of players like that. So that makes it really tough to, to kind of narrow down one last one. But if we're, if we're going to talk about Tampa and the Rangers and we're not going to talk about your former teammate in McDonough and we're not going to talk about Hedman, like let, let's give a little bit more love to Sergachev yes. because just the way that they're balanced. And when you look at the bottom grouping of defensemen on Tampa, their minutes are so low in contrast to the top three guys. Like, what do you say about Sergachev at this point in time in his career, where he is in this moment? Uh, I think there's still some growth, uh, but I, which is I pretty always, impressive, right? It's really impressive because he's from the time he was drafted, everybody thought, man, this guy is going to be really, really something, but it, it has to get there. And he fell into a re really good situation that he has Hedman, McDonough, and Chernak, and even Bogosian, and he's got guys to really work off of. Mm -hmm. But I, I eventually think he is going to be a top four stud. Mm -hmm. And right now plays a third pairing type role. But I think he's a top four stud, and it's just, just there on the cusp of happening. Yeah. Man, 
Like I, I, I sit here and have this conversation and hear from you as a teammate of a guy who was willing to, to block those shots. And I just think of every time and, <laughs> you know, we're seeing Tampa going for a three-peat, but anytime there's a new team that emerges as a Stanley Cup winner, you start picking apart how did they do it. And it's yeah. usually like with this group of six and guys start earning accolades where they didn't have them before because people just didn't pay enough attention to the details that all these guys bring. So really wonderful opportunity to have yes. Girardi on with us this week. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, I, I just think of so many stories now of plane, trains, automobile, whatever, like all these, he was inseparable with Ryan Callahan. And those yeah. two have a weird sense of humor. Sometimes you're like, what are they talking about? But just to, just to see his little smirk as he's telling a story, if you got to watch it on uh, the Sabres YouTube channel, uh, or if you're listening to it, go back and find it because that smirk tells a ton about Dan Girardi. We smiled a lot. We thank you for being with us. Thanks to our friends at Seneca Resorts and Casinos. We'll see you next week on the Instigators Overtime Podcast.